Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, science fiction, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And on today's episode of the Friday Forge, Chad and I will be discussing The Velt, a short story by Ray Bradbury, appearing originally as The World the Children Made in the September 1950 issue of the Saturday Evening Post. The Velt was republished under its current name in the 1951 anthology, The Illustrated Man. Wow, this was published in the newspaper? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the... <laughs> I mean, do they do things like that I don't still? even know what the Saturday Evening Post is. <laughs> I mean, it's. I'm pretty sure it's a newspaper, right? You know, like any sort of post. Right, like, in the 50s. I've never heard of like stories like this being in... They used to publish short stories in magazines like all the time. Yeah, I used to read them in Reader's Digest sometimes when I was a kid. Yeah, this is how a lot of things used to be done. Like, you know, people would just like publish little short stories and that it would appear in some kind of periodical. And then if it was really good and really popular, they'd put it in some kind of anthology. And that's uh, the Illustrated Man. It's the first, I mean, at least in my copy, it's the first story in the Illustrated Man. If you don't count like the introduction when the man on the hill like meets the actual Illustrated Man. Uh, do you, have you read the Illustrated Man, Chad? No. Oh, okay. so I'll just fill everybody in just a little bit. Like the very first part of the Illustrated Man and kind of like the little interludes between each story. Like, each story is a tattoo on this Illustrated Man oh. that a guy is like seeing well yeah so like at night when the illustrated man kind of like lays down his tattoos kind of come to life and it's this other guy seeing these things playing out on his body as tattoos which is oh wow the coolest idea yeah that is so cool he's like i got a bunch of short stories how can i link them all together and make it super interesting oh awesome yeah bradbury is just fantastic i, I haven't read a whole bunch like i mean obviously i read fahrenheit 451 mm-hmm. and i've read uh, something wicked this way comes which is another really excellent book. I have, um, but it was years ago. Yeah, I mean, from uh, oh, and I've read um, Zen and the Art of Writing, which is kind of a, a like a nonfiction kind of like his musings on the writing process and kind of a, mm. almost like a chrono- chronological order from when he's really young to when he's older. But yeah, he seems to really have a fascination with technology, futurism. He he likes these kind of little cautionary type tales. I think. Yeah, and not only just the technology, but specifically how. It affects the people. Yeah, I think he, he zooms right in on like how this is really affecting people. Yeah, so I, without further ado, I mean, we always encourage our listeners to go read the short story, check it out. Doesn't really take very long at all. I mean, this took us like 15 minutes to read. But this is a recap to get you refreshed on what happens in this beloved and eerie cautionary tale. The story centers on the Hadley family living in an automated house called the Happy Life Home. The house is fitted with various machines that aid them in everyday tasks, such as bathing, tying their shoes, and cooking their food. The two children, Peter and Wendy, frequent a room called the nursery, a large crystal-walled chamber that realistically reproduces any place they imagine. Over time, the children have become obsessed with this room. The parents, George and Lydia, grow concerned that the nursery is stuck on an African landscape setting with lions in the distance, eating an unidentifiable animal carcass. There they also find recreations of their personal belongings and hear strangely familiar screams. Wondering why their children are so enamored with this grisly scene, they call a psychologist named David McLean. The psychologist suggests that they turn off the house and learn to be more self-sufficient. Peter and Wendy break down in tears at this news and beg their parents to let them have one last visit to the nursery. The parents give in and allow the children more time in the nursery. When George and Lydia return to the room, 
the children lock their parents into the nursery with the pride of lions, and the two realize that those familiar screams belonged to simulated versions of themselves. Shortly after, David, the psychologist, comes around to look for George and Lydia. He finds the children enjoying lunch alone in the nursery, watching the lions and vultures eating carcasses in the distance. <sighs> okay, first off, those are some effed up kids, man. Well, let's talk about it. Why are they so yeah. why are they so fucked up? I mean, first off, just bad parenting. I think that it's really important to go into this without, I don't want to sound curmudgeon-y, you know what I mean? Because I, <laughs> like, you know what I'm trying to say? No. <laughs> I think that, um, and I don't think that Bradbury was necessarily trying to do this either. Like, I'm not trying to, like, claim that I know exactly what his intention was here. I mean, this is obviously, like, pretty on the nose, but he wasn't saying, like, Ah, technologies. I remember back in my day when we had to pull, no, pull our no, own water. And, so. like, I mean, obviously, this is a cautionary tale about like how technology could affect us negatively. And it's not necessarily him being like a Luddite and saying, oh, you know, I we got to get rid of all of it or anything like that. So, you know, I just don't want to go into this and be like, ah, oh, we're all on our cell phones too much. It's like, yeah, wild, Evan and Chad, like totally. You yeah. know? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I've yes. got the Library of Alexandria in my pocket plus some. There are a lot of benefits to having the technology that we do. But I think that, you know, we, we got to think about the time period that this was written in, like 1950. That is a really long time ago. They had no idea what technology was going to develop into. No, like what was coming their way in the very near future. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, I mean, technology today does have, there are a lot of drawbacks to it. Like I, I have definitely felt my um, ability to pay attention to things. My attention span has definitely been affected by things like TikTok, by Reddit, being on my phone God, I'm on, oh, I'm on my phone so much. It's ridiculous. And I think that what what, Brad, what, what Bradbury was trying to say in, in this story, especially, and you kind of hinted at it in the introduction there, is that it's probably mostly messing with our relationships. You know, like, I think yes. that's what he was worried about is like, because of all this convenience. Replacement. Yeah, replacement. And like the parents in the story say it pretty overtly they they say that they don't feel like they're needed anymore they're smoking more they're right. drinking more what are you supposed to do to fill in all this time when everything's taken care of for you how do you talk to people like and i think yeah it's it's really really relevant even though you know i don't think that you could have known in 1950 just <laughs> how far we 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 took it we sent it a little hard there but <laughs> well, yeah what year did he write this uh, 19 1950 well, i don't know something? what year he wrote it it was published in 1950 okay i mean this is insanely ahead of his time yeah like holograms and stuff like that's crazy you know he's he's way out in front of the the field the flock i think that uh bradbury like really liked technology he really liked movies um it was just always the thing that fascinated him um i'm sure huh. that he was at all kinds of world's fairs and all kinds of expos and things like that i'm sure he was like right in there uh, he's a very like observant writer for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And this was definitely kind of a I was going to say subtle but not subtle at all. It's not subtle. <laughs> uh, it's not. <laughs> talking about his worry of kind of the role that technology plays in our lives. Like obviously it's so useful, you know, but like you said how you your attention span is I mean mine too, you know. If I'm like going outside to just sit and chill for a minute, I used to never want to have my phone. I would be annoyed if someone called me. Yeah. And now I like get out there and if I realize like I forgot my phone, I'll like go get it. Yeah. It's like yeah. 
you know, and I used to have some of my best thoughts sitting out there. Some of the best ones would come and I was just chilling by myself. And there's like, there's an opportunity loss for having your attention constantly taken by something. If you don't know what your brain is going to come up with on its own without that attention, that thing taking its attention. Yeah, he really shoves in your face the worry that he has of the role of technology. And because, I mean, they have ridiculous machines. But they would probably think what we're doing is ridiculous, too. I mean, because I, I, I totally see what you're saying, because there's machines that that tie their shoes for them and brush their teeth right. for them and bathe there them and things like that. There was a painter machine. Like, yeah. they replaced art. Yeah. Like artistic expression is gone. And I think that a little hyperbole is um, obviously going to happen in, in a kind of story like this and I, I know I'll probably call this satire but like it if you think about it there's a lot of technology that we use that people in the 50s would probably be like what why would you just wear a watch like what do you right. like why do you have a what's the smart what's the smart watch thing like oh it keeps track of your steps like who cares like why does it matter how right. many steps a day you take i mean i can definitely definitely see that i mean like um a good example is like uh the keurig the coffee maker oh my god like gosh. that thing is i mean i love i love a so we went from a, mo- <laughs> we went from so a cool. power boat to a paddle board but the keurig, That's what the keurig I mean, <laughs> okay so the, 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 the wild thing about the keurig is that the, the keurig is like a representation so of our entire society yes yes it is <laughs> at least in america it, yes. like it's just like you click it down and it just goes and it gives you a hot cup of coffee like pretty much immediately and the coffee maker before that was pretty fast. <laughs> it's like... Oh, it's like almost like it's the same exact speed. It just has to make a full pot. Like you can make one cup of coffee with a re- old coffee maker. Just put less yeah, water but you in. Gotta like, you got to like open the top and then you got to put oh, the yeah. filter in, in and you yeah, got to yeah. pour the water in the back. Yeah, there's and then two put other the, steps. There's a bunch of little steps. You, oh, what a, and God forbid there's coffee like in the pot. You got to pour it out, oh, right. like, rinse it out. And and stuff. It's like a week old. Right. Or and something. like, so I can see. I, he was really on the money there with like these kind of useless things that we are now like we you, we get tied to them. I bet like I don't have a Keurig personally, but my brother does. And like if if I tried to like tell him like, hey, you shouldn't use that. It's like super wasteful or like whatever. All the reasons that people oh, say dude, he'd worst. be like, no, there's no way I'm getting one. rid of this. Yeah, like I'm. <laughs> yeah, every time I use it, I'm just like, oh my god, this thing. but it's delightful. Well, and the kids, I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, the kids are like obsessed with this room, and you know, uh, I think. It doesn't, it doesn't really overtly say it, but like, I mean, like the rest of the house in general, like it's the dad kind of like says, we're going to shut the whole house down and they're really upset right. about it. And even though I think the kid Peter says, who's going to bathe me and like paint the pictures for us and stuff. So they do, <laughs> they are very attached to this house, but most importantly, they're attached to this room, the nursery, which I think is, I mean, it's basically virtual reality. Oh yeah. Which we still haven't perfected by the way. Like we still, no, I mean, we we're not. getting close. I feel like Dude, we're getting really close. Those gloves, like the Oculus, not the gloves, the uh, like the Oculus and stuff. I had a chance to try one for the first time like a year ago or something. I was shocked at how cool it was. Yeah, it's your whole field of view. Yeah, I was on a skyscraper. I was scared. Yeah, I mean, because when I first tried it out, I thought it's going to be like, um, it would be like I'm in like an empty movie theater or something. Like it'd be a really big image, but you know, just like black. Right. On it. But no, it's your entire field of vision. I was wondering right. what it would be like to like throw one of those on and like put it in space or something and then drop a bunch of acid you know <laughs> like put on some music or something that would be you could awesome. like really elevate whatever experience oh, you're having yeah. yeah um i've heard that um, it'd be like uh what's those tanks that you go in there and it takes away all your uh sensory deprivation 
Yeah, it'd be like the opposite of that, but also dope while on acid. I've, I've wanted to do a sensory deprivation while on acid. I, think oh, I haven't done it on, on acid, but I've done the separate oh. sensory deprivation before the float tank. Oh, you did? Yeah, float tanks were pretty popular in Portland, actually. Yeah, Ben went through a little phase, and I think we still have one, but... Um... So I've done it twice, and one time it was really cool, and I had a good experience, and um, it was really relaxing, and it was really... It wasn't like the the kind of like you know wild ego erasing experience i thought it was going to be or anything but it was just it was cool i had a lot of cool thoughts and um you do start to kind of see stuff after a while and just it's kind of like that feeling you get when you're Is like it totally dark in yeah, there yeah it's 100 percent dark oh okay it's kind of like that feeling when you're right about to fall asleep or just after you kind of wake up you know mm. um at least for I me that's that. what it felt like or it was just kind of like, it was very comfortable and i was just having like much different thoughts than i normally would and seeing kind of like mentally and kind of like actually seeing too, like your brain starts to really kind of create images. And oh, yeah. I was only in there for like 15 or like 11 minutes or something like that. Like not very long. I've experienced that in a cave before. Yeah, yeah. Some people do it for like like half an hour to an hour or something. And then my second experience doing it, I went to a different place. And this place was weird. Like <laughs> it was like a house. Like I got like a gift certificate uh -huh. to go do it. And I was like, oh, my last experience was pretty cool. So I'm going to do this again. So I go to this house and it's just like a house and like a bunch of naked people everywhere. What? Yeah. I was like, ah, whatever. Like, cool. It's just like one of those kinds of places in town. Like I'm just going to hang out and like I'll be naked too. And like, we'll just tell we're all hanging out. So, so uh, <laughs> you can't just like summarize the story. Okay. So you <laughs> get you there. Mean? You get there. Is there like a as a receptionist place? Or do you open the front door? Yeah, you there's not... a receptionist, and um, they don't. Okay. They didn't say. Th what point do you get naked? So there's like a big backyard, and it's like a pool, and okay. everybody was just kind of like naked. And then there's like the hmm. there's like a co-ed kind of like uh, like gender neutral like like changing room, and then in the back of the room there's another door that had the uh, the sensory deprivation tanks. Everybody was really nice. It was just like a very like I didn't it didn't say on the gift certificate like everyone's super naked like or anything. <laughs> so I was like Was it just like well, I joined a the party? I mean, I didn't care, but Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah um, hell yeah. I went in Rome, but like was what other services did they have? Uh, they were doing like, just like yeah, it was like a, it was like a, it was like a healing house, you know what I mean? So okay, instead of thank okay. you, everybody said gratitude and like you know, it was like a very okay, like spacey, okay. spacey space cadet kind of place. But I was into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was totally fine with it. None of that was bad. But then I got into the tank, and the way that the tank was built, there was a big like bulbous like light at the very um the end toward my feet that turns off when you close the lid, but the light's still there. And I'm kind of tall. Right. So my mm -hmm. feet kept kind of bumping right up against the light every now and then, which just kind of kills the entire experience. And there was. Oh, this, and it would turn it on. It wouldn't turn it on, but I could feel it. You're not supposed to be able to oh, feel anything. Feel and oh, there was like right. this weird, I think the door was like broken or something because there was this weird tiny sliver of light on the, on the side where I had closed the door. And I tried pulling it down as hard as I could and it wouldn't go away. So I was just kind of laying there in a salt bath for like 15 minutes because and nothing <laughs> happened. So I haven't done it. It's amazing since. how just that little bit of yeah. sensoriness ruins the whole thing. Yeah, you know? I felt kind of stupid. <laughs> I was just like laying there. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Do you know that there's, uh, okay. um, if I may rabbit trail a little bit farther on this, there's a, I think it's a university um, here in the States. I think it's here. There's a university somewhere that has a quiet room and it's the quietest place on earth. And they've just made it very, very quiet. So you can't hear anything in there except for you can hear everything, apparently. And there's like records of how long 
because like our brains kind of freak out like they freak out with the eyes you know if you're in the bottom of a cave or sensory deprivation you kind of get the swirly colors and like it just wants to see things and it's like you know kind of freaks a little bit but apparently it does that like 10 times harder with sound because there's always sound like you can't just like close your ears right there's always close your eyes going on yeah and there's like tons of sound like humming and wind and there's always sound and this is so quiet that like apparently there's like a record some i think it's like an hour is the longest that someone's been able to stay in there without like freaking out you can hear your blood pumping apparently nope no thanks like it's just weird i don't want to hear that i would totally do that Uh, i don't know i don't know if i would want to it seems like like why would i leave after an hour i would i would do it and with the hubris of (laughs) of my uh uh, ignorance i would be like oh i'm definitely gonna crush this record and then i probably will <laughs> rolling it back to uh this short story then the, the room specifically um have you seen that movie uh sunshine sunshine no I haven't. it's a really really excellent movie i think it's a danny boyle movie the same guy that did um 28 days later it's about this uh crew of of people that go <laughs> it sounds stupid when i say it but the movie's really amazing <laughs> but they they go <laughs> They have to restart like the hear sun. Yourself say oh my it god, right I, before. that's a dumb thing to say. They have to restart the sun. Like the sun is dying, and they oh, have. Wait, to what's this movie called? Sunshine. I might have seen this. Yeah, um, it's a really good movie. Uh, if you're listening, you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's it's excellent. But there's a room on the ship, um, because the the trip to the sun takes so long, even at a really high speed. Like the sun is very far away, about 98 million miles away. So it takes so long, and they're just kind of in there with each other, you know. Um, and tensions are kind of high so they have this room that it's kind of this is what i was imagining when i was reading this book is like and maybe they took this idea but it's like each wall is a screen the the ceiling's a screen the floor is a screen and you can change it to you know like a forest or the beach or whatever and it's kind of it's called like the nature room or like the earth room or something and you go in there and it kind of like chills you out a little bit because you're on the you're stuck on this spaceship all the time um, and so that was kind of like what I was visualizing because it got me thinking, like, why was this room made in the first place? If these people are having this issue with it, um, there's got to be some kind of utility to it, right? Like, it's not, it can't just, if it's $15,000 in 1950, which is a probably an obscene amount of money. Is that then, how much it was? Yeah. I missed that. Yeah. It was like the house was like 30 grand and then they tacked on another 15 for this room at least i think they did. Oh. i think that i read that right but anyway it's, it's a lot a lot of expense went into this thing so there's got to be some kind of utility to it right it can't be just like i just kind of figured it was like a tv like a really fancy i don't know TV. i mean um because that's what people said about virtual reality but I, I i read a little while ago that um one of the things that people want to start doing with virtual reality is kind of using it as like an empathy machine like you strap on this vr headset for somebody that's never seen like a third world country before or something oh. like that or like what it's like to live in like a homeless camp kind of like in los angeles or something machine. yeah and yeah. it's like you kind of like show people you know because people have like their kind of preconceived notions of what these kinds of situations are because they've never been right. there you know what i mean like you've lived in a relatively comfortable state most of your life and you see it on tv and stuff but it's not the same thing but if you if it's your entire field of vision and you're watching like a recorded video with sound yeah, what a cool passion project. Someone should totally do that. Here's what it's like to live in the shoes of, uh, you know, a homeless person in Houston. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, so that's what I that's what I mean. It's like, what's the utility behind this, right? And it's like, maybe that's a question that Bradbury is asking a lot of uh, sci-fi writers back in the day. And a lot of people right now are asking like, okay, 
what's the ratio here like to how damaging this is and how much utility we're getting out of it right like cell phones for example cell phones are incredible like it's a ridiculous thing that we're able to communicate with each other the way that we are on the flip side of that it's kind of tearing apart everybody's attention span like it's it's not it's not ideal you know i mean like i'm I'm very pro technology. Like I really love technology. Same. I think for the most part, like I am really hardly a curmudgeon about it. Like I really do think that it's ultimately a very good thing, but it's a wonderful tool, but man, like it is, it can't become your life. No, it can't. And so I think one of the, the main things about this story is these parents aren't ever checking in on their kids. Like the, even the psychologist and you know, neither of us have children, obviously. So I'm not speaking really about, raising children but checking in with your loved ones you know like if right. you're if you're with your significant other and you've both been on your phones all day you know i mean it's like it's not terrible but it's probably not ideal yeah i've had rules before in uh, relationships where it's like no phones allowed on date nights or like no work talk or you know things like that this just kind of separates you from the technology a little bit so you can focus in on each other and that's really important because I feel like, and I mean, I, I, again, I not to use your phrase, but I don't want to sound curmudgeon-y here. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's sad when I see 10 kids hanging out in the park and they're just like sitting there on their phone. I'm like, man, go build a fort. Go build a fort. I don't know, fort. man. I don't see like that's if all those kids were sitting there um, reading books, nobody would say anything, but there's their attention still focused on something that's not building a fort, but nobody cares. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but it, like play D and D or something. I know. Maybe they are. I don't know. They're probably You're playing right. I just think it's so silly when somebody's just like, ah, oh, like I see these kids all the time and they're just, they're always on their phones. It's like, dude, if they're all reading newspapers, nobody'd say shit about it. You know what I mean? Like, right. right. Okay. okay. Not, You're making a very like, good point. It's the same thing, you know, like, if, right. like, have you seen that picture? And it's like, um, it's a bunch of people on the bus, right? And everyone's on their phone on the bus, right? And like, you know, you could take that picture and you could caption it with like a frowny face or something and be like, oh, nobody pays attention to anything anymore or anything. But right, if you look right. at a picture from like the 1920s of people riding a streetcar, they're all holding newspapers. Nobody yeah, wants to talk to fucking anybody. Yeah, that's true. And you can't even curate your own content on the newspaper, you know? Right, exactly. Like if they had headphones in the 1920s, you really think they wouldn't be wearing them to tune everybody else out? Oh, like, I don't damn know. Straight and I'm not would. saying that it's healthy, but it's just like, it's just... It, that's a no, weird I understand. Sense of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I understand the point that you're making. I just think that it's so prevalent that it's like it's affecting their ability to communicate and be comfortable in social settings. And I'm not trying to speak for an entire generation or anything. There's definitely, I think the scientific data would probably bear out what you're saying. <laughs> I think it's probably yeah, pretty yeah, clear. I mean, there's, yeah. um, one of the largest uh, payouts right now that has ever been paid out by these social media companies mainly Facebook, uh, there's a huge lawsuit, um, like one of those um, class action ones where they get you know thousands of people and stuff because they were fully aware of the damage that their technology has upon young people and they still pushed it and didn't do anything about it. And so there's um, a big lawsuit against them right now. Yeah, I think that's... Because for depression and things like that. I mean, totally. I mean, I think that's one of the main things um, that people are not really stoked about tiktok for like right now you know what i mean because they're like these little 30 30 second to one minute or sometimes even right. fewer seconds like sound bites and video bites and you're just flipping through it 
and you're not learning i mean sometimes i do but yeah for the most part i don't you know yeah well it's like a fun fact you know it's like cool that's what happens to an egg underwater <laughs> i'm glad i know that now <laughs> yeah me too but like but the rest of know, it it's... is like 17 year old millionaires filling their teslas with bubbles and shit and it's just right. like what am i watching right now <laughs> yeah um i mean it's it's really interesting to think that bradbury was looking around at his society, his time, and already he was probably getting the feeling like, man, this is getting a little, this is getting a little weird. Like there's TV dinners and there's all these different appliances. Because yeah. the 50s, remember, I mean, there was like the kind of mass exodus out to the suburbs. Um, and mm -hmm. with that, and, um, you know, people were getting, people were getting lines of credit. So they were able to buy like more expensive uh, household appliances and things like that. So there was a big push to get everybody to buy refrigerators and toasters and vacuums and and all these different things that would make living in a kind of larger house with more square footage and more children you know and like labor saving right devices. exactly um and i think that obviously a lot of those things were probably really helpful but i think probably for bradbury and a lot of other people living in that time who hadn't been introduced to anything like that before that kind of surge in technology for the everyman totally i don't think he was afraid of the vacuum but he was probably like you know walking through the suburbs and just saying like wow all these people used to have family dinners and now they're sitting in front of the tv right yeah i think the television probably yeah that was a big one did you have family dinners growing up uh well we had dinner every night we all sat down together yeah, and it wasn't. Same. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't ever. It wasn't always like cool. <laughs> it was like yeah, some, no. Sometimes it got a little weird there sometimes. To. But um, yeah, like my parents made a a point to at least get everybody together for like forty five minutes to an hour and just like sit and talk. Um, I mean, sometimes I've like music playing or something or or whatever. But yeah, the TV was never on or anything no. like that. But I mean, now like I don't I don't even remember like the last time that I ate something like by myself and I wasn't like watching something on my phone or like oh. on my computer or something. Reading. Yeah, reading. Yeah, I read it while I'm eating sometimes too. Um, Can you imagine just like, well, I mean, alone, just like sitting there like an asshole. Just, I see, like, yeah, I work in a restaurant. And, it's like, like camping I see without that. a fire. You're just a bunch of assholes sitting in the woods in the dark. Oh, man. Like, it's so funny. Like, I work in a restaurant and I see that sometimes. Like, someone will come in, they'll get some food, they'll like, they'll order something, and then we, you know, we bring it out and they just like sit there and, and eat it and like kind of like look off into space. <laughs> and it's like, obviously, you know there's nothing wrong thoughts. with that. Yeah, there's nothing at all wrong with that. Do it. I'm not telling anyone not to, but it's a little, it's a little weird to like, little see weird, them doing yeah. that. But you know, it's also kind of weird is seeing somebody just kind of mindlessly shoveling food in their mouths, like while they're watching like a Kurzgesagt video or something, like on their, you know what I mean? So it's like right. there's really no uh, middle ground there, I guess. No, no, it's all weird. Um, one of the things that I noticed, getting back to like how this affects people on a personal level, is in my last relationship that I was in, when I started noticing that it wasn't. It wasn't going great. <laughs> uh, it kind of like started just, you know, that feeling you get, you know, it's, it's the sun. We've the, turned a corner. The sun is setting on this relationship. <laughs> the sun has set yeah. on our day in the sun. Um, but yeah, it kind of started getting that feeling. Um, and one of the things that had kind of contributed to that feeling um, was that we were watching way more TV together, like way yeah. more. And, you know, obviously couples, um, you know watch tv together all the time it's a totally normal thing to do but it was like we were crushing tv shows right it's a way to spend time with each other without any chance yeah. of any stressful thing yeah and up. there's a difference between being alone with somebody else have you heard that term before um just like doing your own thing kind right of? so there's like there's like two different kind of versions of that there's like i feel alone when i'm with you 
right? Like that's, oh, right. that's bad, not good. right? But if you yeah. can be alone together, that's that's, yeah, that's cool. like a mark of a good yeah, friend. Yeah, that's really cool. Like you and me would be able to just sit in a room and read together, right? Because right. we're besties, right? But if but yeah, if we had like, like not a, hang out with you and hang out right, with you, right? But if great. like if you and I were like roommates and we and whenever I came home, you were oh, constantly God. on your phone or you were constantly like. I would try to say something and you were like super distracted and like just didn't you know what i mean i would i would feel right. alone when i was with you you know i wouldn't i wouldn't feel like you and i were like having a, a friendship level like connection or at least like a really good friendship level connection right. um so yeah i don't and i don't think that bradbury's trying to answer or be like necessarily prescriptive about anything with this story i think he's just saying like you know personal relationships might suffer because of this kind of ease of access or like you know the the amount of entertainment that we're getting it's going to swallow us you know or it's going to swallow right. the ones that we love because obviously the parents get eaten by the big tvs right i mean like like or the, the oh, lions sure. or whatever sure. however in your recap you said that they were and, and i think you're totally right but i didn't get that at first i thought that they were yes feeding the lions recreations of their parents but i thought they were also finding strangers to put them in there oh yeah but i don't think so i i think you're right i think that the kids wanted their parents to die so because the room what the room does is it, it like it recreates your imagination right read your mind yeah so the kids uh were getting more Basically. and more despondent despondent when i read this the first time i thought the kids were telling the truth when they came into the room Remember, the, the kids kind of come in from outside. They were at some kind of carnival or whatever. Oh, right. Um, and their parents... They were riding a helicopter. Yeah, that was they cool. They were on helicopter rides. That was a nice little... God, Ray Bradbury is so cool. I know. I was just like, what? Did they come in with some money or something? Who goes on helicopter rides? <laughs> People in the future. <laughs> in the future, we all have our own helicopters. Helicopter rides. I do want to segue real quick, just like a tiny little segue. Um, I am really disappointed in the the frequency at which i am flying uh Me which we too. should obviously like from all the pictures ah. in the 50s and 60s that kind of predicted what the 2020s would be we were all yeah. flying all the time and you know i fly yeah, like sometimes the date that but... marty mcfly goes into the future we passed that like six years ago I know. but anyway um fuck, what was i talking about i'm uh, with you bro <laughs> uh when they come back oh in yeah okay so they come they come ride. back in and um the, the first time that i read it i thought they were uh telling the truth because the parents are like What's up with Africa on the in the nursery? And um, the kids are like, "What are you talking about?" Like, we don't even know. They're so despondent and so disconnected from their parents that they're able to lie in such a convincing, detached way, which it makes it a little creepier, honestly. Like these kids, yeah. and the way that I see it, and I've read this twice now, and like these kids wanted their parents to die. Like they were, they were, right. they were thinking about their parents being eaten by lions, and those screams were the screams of themselves being eaten by lions, which yeah, is... Yeah, she even says the scream sounds familiar. Yeah, it's really creepy oh, when you start really it's really creepy. Okay, so what leads them to that is kind of my question. So I had a question for you that I kind of... Well, you've kind of answered it already, but I want your confirmation. And it's freaking weird that the company would refer to it, but it, they call it the nursery. Yeah. Like, how old are these kids? 18, 16, you know, they're teenagers probably. Uh, I don't, I always envision them as like, like preteens, like 12 or 13. Okay. Okay. Like yeah. That. But they're not like four. No, I you think, don't have a nursery when you're 13. No. I mean, I think the nursery basically means like, it's something that's taking care of the, it's like a toy. You know what I mean? It's like a thing to okay. look after yeah, the it's kids. Just, it's just weird that they would call it a nursery. I think it makes sense to call it the nursery because the parents are 
not taking care of their kids. The room, yeah, the room is the nursery. The room is taking care of the kids. Right, right. And the psychologist even says that. Right, and like there's like the, you know, there's there's that old saying, like there's a whole generation of kids who's been raised by the television. You know, it's like um, that came into fruition after TVs became Now they're getting raised by YouTube and um, weird videos that are made like by algorithms. Have you ever seen those videos though that are made by the algorithms? No, I don't think I have. Oh, dude, there's just like kid videos out there that uh, I have a bunch of nieces and nephews, so I get to see kid videos sometimes. And there's like these algorithms that'll just like make kid videos, but some of them are freaking weird. It's funny. I was talking to somebody a little while ago and they said that they felt like the next, like Gen Z and like the, the generation that's coming after Gen Z was like the dumbest generation. And I was like, what, is, what the hell are you no. talking about? Some of this, like, like there are, have you seen them using smartphones? Yeah. Phone? I mean, like a, a lot of these kids are super smart. Like it's, yeah. it's like, you won't be singing that too next time you need to connect to Wi Fi. I know, somewhere. right? Yeah. I mean, like every generation is dumb in some ways and super smart in others. Totally. Like there's no, like, there's no dumbing down of any generation. There's change. And that's, I think, another right. thing in this book that, is something that Bradbury had kind of it kind of touched on, but like the the fear of change. That's a that's another really big one, you know. I mean, and I think that mm-hmm. I don't think that Bradbury was necessarily afraid of change, but I think there was probably some kind of current that was going on in in the fifties when this was happening. And there's a current going on now, you know what I mean? It happens at every yeah. generation where you know you've got like this this kind of oh, I remember the way it used to be when kids would just go outside and play in the dirt and stuff build, build forts yeah well you know what those kids were getting abducted too and the kid like you know child abduction is probably like way down now that they're all hanging out playing yeah, video games is. so like there's a give and take to all of it you know like um totally. we can't fear that change we have to we have to be aware we have to of guide the, it right yeah exactly we have to be aware of the um like pitfalls of this technology mm-hmm. come together as a society and say all right here's the issue with this right like what can we do and i've seen some movements right with uh, cell phones for instance um some people say that the golden age of the cell phone was right before the blackberry came out right it was like uh like the nokia mm-hmm. phones and stuff like that where basically all you yeah, could yeah. really do on it was you could you could call and text and you could play a couple games and you had a calendar and a clock and everything that you needed on the phone yep um and i've seen a couple companies now put out I think the, the slang for it is like a dumb phone. You know what I mean? It's a like, dumb phone, yeah. Um, but basically, I mean, it's a cool phone. It's still touchscreen, um, but it doesn't have any kind of, there's no internet browser. There's no, there's just like, there's like a navigation app. And because um, that's like super important. I mean, I would probably try using that phone for a little bit, but uh, now my whole like career is kind of <laughs> dependent yeah, I mean, on just my like, phone. <laughs> I have to use I that I know, thing, me too. Yeah. I have to use it all the time. But it is just nice to think about that, um, you know, while it's not in vogue right now, like nobody, you know, people aren't going to go out and buy that kind of phone in droves right now because iPhones right. and Androids are, I mean, they're they're computers, right? Like they're little computers right. in our pockets. It's a tool. I mean, the camera on my phone, just the camera is it's incredible. incredible. It's a really good camera. I saw a meme that was like... Um, a pile of technology and it was like here's all the stuff that would is in your that your phone can do and here's what the like the size of the technology would have been in like the 60s or something and it was like like a pile the size of like a volkswagen yeah, no, seriously this it's, it's crazy it's pretty i mean even just a, a notepad you know like people used to just carry around and i'm sure people still do this but like uh people carried around little notebooks and pens yeah. <laughs> yeah um and like I carry a journal in my bag, you know what I mean? Like I, I, 
I write stuff down. I do journal every now and then, but yeah, like I got a pen and yeah, pad of like paper I, on my desk. I carry it around, but I mean, I'm, I'm, but like if I really, I mean, mostly I use my phone, you know what I mean? Like mostly totally. I'm typing notes into my phone and that's being able to type notes into your phone is not a pitfall of the, te- of the technology of the phone. You know, no. we don't have to like throw the whole phone out because of, no, you know, and I don't like, think, uh, I didn't get the, sorry to cut you right, off. Fine. Okay, I didn't get the um, impression that Ray was saying that either. I think that he was saying, hey, guys, we're about to make a big turn here. Yeah. And we're about to have access to a lot of technology. Let's make sure that we're in control and we're being very intentional with the way that it affects our lives and our use case for it. Let's make sure that we still know how to cook an egg. Well, I have a question for you. Okay. Do you think... That Ray Bradbury would approve of our current <laughs> technological landscape. Yes, I do. I mean, he'd only, yes, he do. only died it... like 10 years ago. Yeah, I was going to ask you if he was a uh, thing, but I didn't want to sound super ignorant. So. <laughs> no, he, <laughs> I, like, you know, I don't think, he's I think he died in 2012. You know, I think one of the reasons why he writes a story like this is that he loves the technology. He thinks it's really cool. He just envisions a lot cooler uses which there are um and and are you know we're using them for way way cool things you know smartphones not all bad it has added so much value to my life but you know at the same time you can't let it control you and so i think it's a word of caution but i think he was stoked yeah i mean like there were people back in the uh um i'm sure there were people back in like the 20s and 30s that were saying people were uh, were reading newspapers too often what will reading all these well, ma- or like when magazines, you know, like these uh, these subscription magazines to like these more niche things, you know, it's like, well, mm-hmm. if people have these whole magazines full of things that they really enjoy, they're never going to take their noses out of them, you know? Wow. And- we'll probably be saying that about, um, you know, the next when virtual reality gets really mainstream, we'll be like, man, why can't we just have a phone, you know, and you're not in this <laughs> new world. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I like to believe at least personally that I, um, I think there's a certain amount of, I wouldn't call it like responsibility necessarily, but like, I think there's like a, a certain amount of um, kind of engagement, I guess, that if you want to keep utilizing the things that are streamlining our society, um, you know, try to stay in the loop on some of it, at least so that right. I've had to help like my grandparents with like their computer with like pretty easy stuff, yep. but it's only easy yeah, to like me getting their printer to work. Well, I mean, but this is kind of weird, but like, have you ever been um, trying to set up your bank account on like a different app or something? Right. Mm-hmm. There's so many different, like kind of like almost axiomatic, just obvious things that we're supposed right. to do. You know, it's like, you okay, well, you, the reason that it took me to this separate page was because this is a whole other form that I have to like. Right, right. Let me give an example of what you're trying to say. We know innately, you and I, when to single click and when to double click on a computer. Our parents do not. That's like, yeah, or our grandparents. But there are some. But see, here's the thing, though, is it's like there are, like, Mom, there are a ton of tech savvy um, people in their 70s and 80s right now. I'm sure sure. of it. And I think that it's unfortunate that that's a, it's almost like a meme that old people don't know how to use technology. A ton of them know how to Mm -hmm. use technology. Absolutely. They probably invented the damn stuff. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Um, You know, I I wish we could put that myth to bed, but there are, there are a lot who were stubborn about it and said, you know, I'm not going to do it because I'm just fine without, and it's like the second they get it, they're like, oh, wow. Double tapping apps on her phone, you know? (laughs) But, you know, I mean, I feel like that tune changes when you're able to actually get directions to a place you need to get. And it's like right on your phone you can get there pretty quickly 
But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to keep developing. I mean, maybe in 30 years, everybody's going to be wearing glasses with a with a with an interface on it that takes up a big field of your vision and people are going to be falling into manholes and stuff. Like, I don't... And, and I mean, we'll have to have that conversation when it happens. I think it's going to be very much an augment sort of situation. You know, like, I do think that you're right. We're going to have some sort of glasses on that. But I think it'll be very much controlled by what we want. So, like, I don't think, like, most of my vision will be filled up with, like, ads or, like, things that'll, you know, I think it'll just be, like, giving me pieces of information, like, as I'm looking around. And I can control the level of um, the feed that it's giving me, you know, the level of depth of the data that I'm receiving. Well, see, we've only had, to us... In the year 2022, the year of our Lord, 2022, we've only got our phones and what we've seen on TV that depicts what is the logical next step from our phones, right? But the right. smart, the touchscreen interface smartphone wasn't Ugh. the logical next step from landlines. So there's always like an intermediary and there's always like this other right. big thing that we weren't really thinking about that none of the people back in the 60s, like if you showed somebody in the 70s a smartphone, they'd be like, what, you just touch it? That doesn't make any sense. Like where, buttons buttons? Are tiny. like where are the buttons? Where, how does it know what you want it to do? Like this doesn't make any right. sense. And then like, does everyone have to take a class? I mean, like what if there was something that came out where it didn't involve your hands at all, right? Like it's just your, yeah. your eye movement. You know, and only you could see it or something. Because, like, using your hands and, yep. like, some sort of physical interface in front of you would be really not... It would have almost zero utility to it because you'd constantly be reaching out in front of you into empty space. And there's people... Oh, right. I mean, that's why we can't drive with our phones. You know, I think, honestly, that's... You just nailed it. That's the next step in technology. That's the thing holding us back right now is the ability to interface with technology quickly. Because, like, the fastest thing we've got right now is, like, finger typing on a computer. I mean, yeah, we can talk into it, but uh, you know that technology is like it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's pretty good. But, like, I'm not lot. navigating my computer by being like, "Hey, computer, click on that." You know, I'm not. I'm not interfacing with it that way. It's like a mouse. It's like we've been using this guy for the last fifty years. Yeah, a long you know, time. Yeah. and it's pretty inefficient if you really think about it. We, we're a lot more capable than the mouse allows us to be and i think that that's going to be the next big step in technology is something like you like you mentioned with the way your eye looks scanning your retina or something that allows you to seamlessly interface maybe think into it who knows but i mean the cool thing about the progression of technology at least in my opinion is that it doesn't happen in these kinds of fits and starts like it's kind of depicted you know in some different different mediums that i've seen it's like um it's not like all of a sudden they just drop smartphones on everybody you know what i mean right. it's like we all had or not we all but like people had cell phones we all knew what a cell phone was you know they had mm -hmm. blackberries it's like it's this incremental thing so it's like yes at some point we might have computers that are going to be able to track our eye movements and that sounds like a huge leap forward today but they have to factor in the years of incremental change from regular computers. So they'll have like some kind of hybrid system where like some stuff you click on with your fingers or the mouse and then some stuff is tracked by your eyes or whatever. Right, right. You know? like, like glasses that you have to wear that you don't want to wear all the time because they're clunky or something, you know? And that being said, it's like, it kind of gives me hope for our progression with technology as we go forward is that it is incremental like that. We can be ready for each next step and, and do what Ray Bradbury wanted us to do is to make sure like okay so what are the pitfalls with this okay uh right. all right well yeah i think we're pretty aware as a society of this technology 
being super negative sort of thing you know i mean like go watch black mirror and <laughs> yeah i think we do it pretty fairly like a fairly good job yeah. at it. i mean it's not yeah. great you know but like there are things that kind of go into the social meta you know what i mean of, of like uh don't open emails that seem sketchy like that took us right. a while to figure out <laughs> you know what i mean like it's it's but now it's like we don't even need antivirus software and just use just everybody knows it's like it's like looking both ways before you cross the street you know it's it's right. entered into the social consciousness it's like if there's an email that says you want a million dollars do not click on that link i mean maybe but like no it's not worth the risk it'll probably mess up your whole computer and steal all of your information and stuff yeah can i tell a quick an anecdote anecdotes are always welcome on the book reviews Kill podcast it's all anecdotes <laughs> <used to> baby <laughs> <laughs> perfect it's very anecdotal um i used to work at a software company and we were hacked we we keep everything i mean this is like a you know 25 million dollar company you know has like 60 employees and we keep everything on this one like drive i mean we had backups and stuff but <laughs> not enough and the you say that like we all just know it's like looking both ways before crossing well fortunately for the company it was the owner's wife who was the one who opened the email because we had to trace it back but we got hacked from an email <laughs> that she opened and it locked down and we called it b24 it was the network that we stored everything on and i mean that's like everything everything was there like the company could not function and these people wanted like fifty thousand dollars in bitcoin or something in order to do it fortunately it's a software company and we have a bunch of really really smart developers <laughs> and they were able to get through that but it took them like a week yeah if i was gonna hack a company and like hold their data for ransom i wouldn't hack a software company. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> before we wrap up here i wanted to ask if you noticed something uh, did you notice that the kids' names are Peter and Wendy? Oh. You didn't notice that. <laughs> no. I mean, I you did know, know what that they were Peter. You, you knew that Peter and down. Wendy were names. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But did you, oh, did you put that together, down. though, that their names no, are Peter I did and Wendy? Not. Yeah. Yeah, they're going oh, to, to Never Never Land. You yeah. Know? And I mean, and, and even like Peter Pan. Where they is, never grow up. Right. You know, yeah. Small. Yeah, I know. Right. And just, I mean, that's like, that's just how awesome a writer. That's uh, got to be purpose. Oh, of course. On purpose. Yeah. Everything I've ever looked up about that story. It's like, well, the like first Ray Radbury. Damn. Yeah, I mean, like everything I've ever looked up about this story. Because um, I, I, you know, the first time I read it, I was just like, oh, damn, that was really cool. Like, I wonder what everyone else has yeah. to say about it. Um, And most people are like, did you notice it was Peter and Wendy? Like in Peter Pan. Uh, and it is oh, man, I mean I totally was oblivious I mean uh, and like Peter Pan obviously is like a um, that's pretty on the nose too never growing up right and the thing's called the nursery right like like, like the idea this, this idea that the that these kids want to I mean you know Wendy not as much but Peter um, the kids in Peter Pan want to remove themselves from this right. from their own reality and go to a place where they don't have to worry about anything they don't have to grow up that's why they're so attached to all these um like inventions of convenience that make their lives so right. much easier they don't have to work at anything you know even the kid says like all we want to do is stand around and like watch stuff i know like right that's all there is I, I was when like, he what? said that i was like this kid's rad like that's all i want to do <laughs> yeah and i get that feeling myself too honestly all the time where i'm like man why do i have to like try and do things like i would, I would much rather just like lay around and watch TV and just. Oh, I get really bored easily. I was like, "What the fuck? Watch, watch stuff, you know." I know you and I have vastly different temperaments, but <laughs> but I mean, I don't do it. I think um, I think it was Anthony Bourdain that said, um, "Too smart." 
I think it was Anthony Bourdain that said, uh, "There's a there's a man inside of me that that all he wants to do all day is get stoned and watch cartoons, and every day is a constant battle with that guy." And I I feel that like I know it's like you don't you don't give into that. I mean, you can like right. I mean, you see what happens. Like well, it's sometimes. Not, I mean, I do it every now and then. But if you want to, like I don't know, <laughs> like it's not. I've done it, folks. Yeah. Like it's not. It's not. <laughs> well, I mean, great. you know, and you should do it sometimes. Well, yeah, it's good for your mental health. Yeah, you know? but like that, it can't be like everything you know and like i think that that's another thing in this book that at least you know resonated with me all of these inventions of convenience like where's the line like where's the line where you don't even have like agency anymore and that's what his parents are that's i mean that's what the kids parents are wondering right we don't what are we supposed to do now like i feel useless i feel like i don't there's no i don't have to wash anything i don't have to clean anything i don't have to iron anything i don't have to cook anything their self-worth and identity is tied up in these household duties you know right and you know and that kind of wraps around back to the question that i asked you it's like even with all this technology like personally like i do feel like i have quite a bit of agency even though there's a lot of inventions of convenience around us like i don't know if that's gonna stay that way or i don't know if i've just been conditioned to think i have agency because i haven't lived in another time but i mean i feel like i do oh yeah and i I think you do too and i don't think it's even so much i mean definitely a matter of agency but one thing that technology cannot well right now at least cannot replace is relationship right like we're getting there dude (laughs) yeah i know i was just gonna say like it can't ever actually okay oh we're like 10 years away from that dude i know i mean google just made their little robot that beat the turing test Oh wow, really? Yeah, I mean there's like a big debate right now as to whether or not it's sentient, but it's just a it's oh, a mimic. Man, that is not, a whole you know, other can We don't of really worms. know. Yeah, we that don't is, even get And we it, can but, if you want. We got we got time. Nah, but oh nah. my god, that is such a conversation. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're, let's uh, let's find a short story about that. I wonder if we could. Let's, yeah, let's get into I've been, it. Yeah, I'm sure there's one. I think that's going to and we we don't have to have the the entire full-blown conversation about it right now because I do want to find a short story that is uh that has to do with that, but I have been wondering what kind of shift our society is going to take when we do create some form of like, uh, to put it bluntly, like a sex robot or like a or not a sex robot. Like that's too blunt. I mean, like something that we can't tell the difference. Exactly. Like in that movie, yes. uh, AI, artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. when like Jude Law is like that, um, like robot yeah, yeah. prostitute. I think honestly, man, like, and I don't even know if we'll keep this on the podcast, but like, I honestly really do think it's going to be as big as the internet. Wait, 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 wait. Sex bots? That's or... just sex bots, but like just, like oh, if you can like if you can AI program friends. like in that movie uh her did you watch that the joaquin phoenix movie so, yeah 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 when we can start having companions that we could program right like yeah. you have a you have a significant other with an off button you know like mm-hmm. that's gonna change everything like that's gonna get everything. way weird that's and it not only begs the question what kind of effect would that have on social relationships in general <laughs> when that's an option yeah. but also like what you were just talking about it's like is that thing sentient right like right. that's and, ooh, and that's the thing i don't is, know i have we no idea kind of right before we even kind of have that conversation that you have to start at the base which is what is sentience and we don't know yet in fact can you uh tell me the field that is closest to the answer it's still very 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 far away but the field of study and the, the career anthropology no anesthesiology oh <laughs> the people that put you to <laughs> sleep way different yeah, answer than it's, that. they I know, I know. I get really surprised about this every time I learn it, but they're like, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because they're the ones who turn you off Oof. and then turn you back on. And so like <laughs> they go into some really cool places in uh, anesthesiology is just, uh, you know, learning about consciousness and what is it. And so like almost like in their field of study, like a lot of research has been done on that. 
they don't have an answer, but you know, they know how to turn it off. <laughs> Man, uh, I'm going to try to find a short story about the, just, just that exact thing because, um, yeah, I don't know what that's going to be like. That's going to be, that's going to yeah. be really, really Dude, there's weird. Gonna be... Like, would anybody even be with anybody else? Cause like your, your initial knee jerk like, reaction is like, well, of course I would still be with like a human person, but it's like, I don't know. Like if you could have a perfect, like what if an algorithm could figure out just like you're, you know, just like they figure out everything else that you seem to like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like if an algorithm or just you could order, like when you're making a sandwich at the fucking store, you know, like, all right, I want, I want them to be like this. I want them to be like this. I, I don't want them to right. be like this. I want them to look exactly like this. I mean, I don't, I, Man. it's a non-romantic I, answer, right? Like it's it, very unromantic. Yeah, it's like the yeah, least romantic thing. But why is it not seen... romantic, Chad? Because... There's no mystery, you know, like there's, there's That's nothing a really good out answer. of your control. There's <laughs> nothing out of your answer. control. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I stumped you there. <laughs> oh, I was You're like, like, no, no bro, I've I got, got like a totally, total good answer for that. <laughs> well, you know, cause there's risk, there's risk, like romances yeah, is standing on the, the edge, yeah, yeah. you know, and like, man, if I can order the perfect person. Well, what if you could program it? What if you could program like um, somebody make sure she's got a couple viruses in there right? or like or make it so that the person that i program like doesn't text me back now and then and i have to like wonder why <laughs> you know what i mean and you could play that roller coaster right. game i don't know man we don't i know what you mean yeah like the um there is something to it those first few months that you're in a relationship with somebody where it's like it's right. really new and fun like that fluttering but, heart feel but, i wouldn't get that with something i could what turn if, off what if you could keep having that for the rest of your life every few months what do you mean oh like order a new one yeah and I'm not saying that oh. that's my like desirable. That's what I want. But it's like, <laughs> because I think that there is something to. Um, I mean, like I think monogamy is really cool. I think polyamory is really cool too. Like I think all of it's fine. But it's like, you. Um, I think that there is something really cool and romantic about being with somebody and kind of like working out those kinks and like you know, yeah, uh, having those nights where you know you kind of both do go to bed and you're kind of annoyed with each other and like you know, yeah. like the it's not all roses like it's you know it's a lot of work like why do you suck all the milk through the cereal when you eat it like just eat the cereal you know what i mean like just uh, you smack (laughs) and i can't deal (laughs) but i think that that would appeal to a ton of people and honestly think about like like if we had well it's appealing but well it's appealing but like i mean like think about in the broader scope right like if we if we had technology that you could literally mimic you know physically emotionally mentally what it's like to actually be like uh, in a, in a committed loving relationship with somebody else right or maybe not even committed but just like a loving relationship with somebody else we would have a population problem well see that's what i'm saying it's like and this all wraps back up into this short story like if we i thought we weren't going to be able to do it but we actually can and it's that we need to think about the pitfalls like one pitfall of that right. being the norm which it, <laughs> i feel like it would become the norm pretty quickly like the population would absolutely dip oh yeah i mean it's dipping already yeah, it's dipping already without that you know um so that would be one of the pitfalls but one of the gains would be uh, stds would go down unplanned pregnancies would go down totally yeah it's it's like really interesting to think about like how much of a benefit would this surge in a new technology give us versus how much of a detriment would it be that's going to wrap it up for us today, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a nice, rambly, scientific, cool conversation. I really like these short story episodes. We're definitely going to keep stories. doing these. And speaking of short stories, the next one that we're going to read is called The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas by Ursula K. Le Guin. And as a lot of you know, I am a gigantic 
Ursula Le Guin fan. We're taking it local. Chad, you, you haven't style. seen. <laughs> yeah, she is from Oregon. Um, yeah. But Chad, you haven't read any Ursula Le Guin, have you? No. Yeah, no, I have like three of her books on my oh, shelf. Oh, cool. But I have not read them. Yeah. So uh, just so everybody knows, that's the next one that we're going to read. Go ahead and take uh, some time, maybe 15, 20 minutes, go read that, and then join us on the next short story episode of Book Reviews Kill. It's always such a pleasure having you guys join us, as always. Everybody, hope you have an awesome rest of your day. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody.